0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: So I am officially burned out. I took a quiz online and I scored a 60, which means I am at a very severe risk of burnout. So I need to do something urgently about this. Okay, so this quiz is on this great site. It's called mindtools.com. You can go check it out. And here are the questions that I had to answer. And so I encourage you to go back and do it. Question one, I feel run down and drained of physical or emotional energy. And you can kind of mentally answer this. Um, Kieran Pilar mentally answered this as, as we go along. There are guests today. I'll introduce them in a little bit. Not at all, rarely, sometimes, often, or very often. So again, I feel run down and drained of physical or emotional energy. I have negative thoughts about my job. I am harder and less sympathetic with people than perhaps they deserve. I am easily irritated by small problems or by my coworkers and team. I feel misunderstood or unappreciated by my coworkers. I feel that I have no one to talk to. I feel that I am achieving less than I should. I feel an unpleasant level of Um, Oh, here it is. I feel under an unpleasant level of pressure to succeed. I feel that I'm not getting what I want out of my job. I feel that I'm in the wrong organization or the wrong profession, although that one I definitely disagreed with. I am frustrated with parts of my job. I feel that organizational politics or bureaucracy frustrate my ability to do a good job. I feel that there is more work to do than I practically have the ability to do. I feel that I do not have time to do many of the things that are important to be doing a good quality job. And I find that I do not have time to plan as much as I like. So I would argue this applies as much to your job as it can to your life, right? And you can kind of translate those questions accordingly. And like I said, to take this self-test, go to mindtools.com. And there are plenty others at your disposal. But to me, the bigger and the better question is, okay, if I'm burned out, like, what do I do? Well, I have selfishly, for myself and for you, invited two incredible thought leaders to join me today. And and what Kira and Pilar are going to do is they're going to share their personal and professional experiences and then share their thought leadership and advice and Okay, how do you manage burnout? Because it is real, and it is a part of our everyday lives and minds, and sadly, our hearts. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm the CEO and President of the Network of Executive Women, and your host of Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am most honored to be joined by... Kira Fernandez, who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Senior Vice President HR at Target, and Pilar Gerasimo, author of The Healthy Deviant, A Rules Breaker Guide to Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World, and an award-winning journalist and podcaster. Um, So welcome. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, let's get started. All righty. So, um, Pilar, I'm going to start with you. Um, can you share with our incredible audience your personal and professional journey? Like, what brought you to this conversation today?
2: Oh. Well, yeah, I I have two different titles for my story. One is my it's my Riches to Rag to Riches story of health and recovery. And the other is like the How I Broke My Body story. (laughs) And they're kind of the Ah. same story. The very short version of it is that, you know, while I was born and raised as a pretty healthy kid, I desperately wanted to fit in with all of my peers as a kid. And when I went to school, I kept getting worse and worse in terms of my health and happiness. And the more I tried to fit in and be normal and pass for what was acceptable by other people, what I saw on television and in movies and particularly women's magazines, the less healthy and happy I got. And what happened to me is I think what happens to a lot of people, which is that as I moved into the more stressful parts of my life, first academic pressures in college and then getting into the work world, The levels of stress that I was experiencing in combination with the feeling that I had to do, be, act like, look like, have all of the things that everyone else seemed to have compressed my personality and my true self to the point that I started exhibiting all of these different symptoms of health problems from rashes, my my hair falling out, my eyelashes started falling out. I was like picking at myself and a lot of, you know, just inflammatory cascade issues, I call them. Digestive distress, night sweats, hormonal problems. And at some point, I I got myself to this particular day where I was trying to get more things done in that day than could possibly be done. And one little thing went wrong, and I just kind of lost it. And in a fit of self-directed frustration, really, I stomped my foot on the wooden floor of my house so hard that I broke a bone (laughs) in my foot. (gasps) Yeah. Terrifying. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like many terrible experiences. It really had a gift embedded in it, which is that yeah. while I was there writhing on the floor in pain, and I called my dad to come take me to the emergency room, I was both kind of embarrassed that I had done this to myself and also realized like this is a wake up call. You know, yeah. I, I had yeah. the series of insights as a result of that. And, I guess all I can say to anybody who's currently dealing with burnout, whether it's this kind of a dramatic moment or just that ongoing chronic misery of burnout, it is an opportunity to reflect, and I'm really excited to talk about this today with Kira and with you, Sarah, because I do think sharing our stories and the insights that have come from them is really helpful. Absolutely. It's like a cautionary tale, basically. But the three insights I had lying on the floor <laughs> were, first of all, oh my God, I just broke my body, like literally broke a part of my skeleton That is not good. Um, And that scared me because I was like, if I can do this kind of damage to myself, what else is am I capable of? You know? The second big insight was that although the breaking of the bone was new, the breaking of myself was not. And I had been breaking myself down for so long. And I had all of those symptoms, all of those signals, and even really a lot of them were diagnosable disorders. I just hadn't bothered to go to the doctor for, or if I did go, you know, I got a cream for the rash or a pill for the stomach ache, but I wasn't dealing with what was really causing all these problems. So the fact that I'd been breaking myself for a long time, I just had to acknowledge that. And then the third insight, which really led me to do the work I've been doing ever since around healthy deviance and, you know, thinking of. Health as a revolutionary act is that I realized I wasn't alone. Like, I felt sorry for myself because, like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so incapable? But the truth was, like, everybody I knew, in particular, all the women I knew, were suffering from very similar sets of maladies. And we were all running to the doctor for different pills and powders and creams. We were all on different you know, health improvement regimens trying to resolve this. We're doing yoga, we're seeing the acupuncturist. But I really had to address the fact that we were living, all of us, in pretty unsustainable ways. Um, so I've spent, since then, really yeah. most of my professional and personal life figuring out, how can you be a healthy person in a predominantly unhealthy world? And in, right now, I think the word we're using is burnout. But I, I think there are a lot of other words, you know, what we've heard languishing, we've heard overwhelm. Um, and I really think it comes down to a, a problem that with our culture, that is an us problem, we have to start addressing communally and collectively, not just acting like each one of us has a whole bunch of problems called individual burnout. And I can't That's wait so to lovely. hear about Kira's story because she's <laughs> nodding. I can see her in my neck, <laughs> and she's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but- I'm like, preach girl, you just took us to this church.
1: Preach it. I know. But it. But what's so interesting, Pilar, too, is my takeaway. And, and what a fascinating story. And thank mm-hmm. you for sharing it. It's not our bodies. It's our heart and soul. And it's culture. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and that's what we preach all the time from new, which is women are not broken. They don't need to be fixed. It's the culture. Yeah. Okay, so who better than to transition to Mm -hmm. Kira? Because she and Target have embraced that from day one, right? They practice what we preach. But Kira, I want to hear your personal and professional journey.
3: Yes. You asked, how did you come to this conversation? And I I come to this conversation really through the lens of intersectionality um, for me. So I'm a daughter, a wife. I have four kids. I'm an aunt to my community of nieces and nephews who I adore, Um, a professional, a friend, a colleague, and, you know, a believer who is guided by their faith. So all of, you know, these dimensional things make up who I am. And I'm also a serial competitor, right? I played (laughs) sports my whole life. Um, (laughs) I, you know, believe that I'm probably fundamentally wired for the thrill in like um, waking up and wanting to like accomplish and achieve because at the heart of it, I really believe that there's something extraordinary in my purpose that I'm supposed to do and that that sits in everyone else. And so I come to the conversation in burnout and the constant search of always wanting to do something a little bit better than I did it yesterday. And I had this moment a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was probably three weeks ago where, um, we all went to Phoenix. I'm in Minneapolis, St. Paul right now, um, for my grandparents, big wedding anniversary. So 88 of us come into Phoenix, we hadn't seen each other for the most part since COVID began. Um, And my team at work was like, okay, Kira, are you really going to take vacation? Because I almost wore like a badge of honor for most of my career. Like, you know, I'm always available. Like I never have, um, you know, answered emails. I'm responsive. Like you get a turnaround time for me. Um, which is, you know, frankly, been part of what I'm known for being a problem solver and availability. And my husband was like, you got to tap out because you, have, you haven't seen your family. Like, I don't want to see you on your two phones um, sitting at the table. <laughs> and so I tapped yeah. out. And what I have to tell the two of you, and I hope folks that are listening understand, is I didn't realize I was running on fumes until I actually stepped away. And by running on fumes, I did not realize how much I was giving everything to a hundred things yeah. until yeah. I stepped back and spent time with my grandparents and, you know, was a part of the moments of, you know, I didn't miss the end of a story because I was engaged and, you know, I had all of my cousins there and, all you know, a number of their kids are going to college for the first time. And there's all these milestone moments yeah. that because I was engaged, it actually fueled me. Um, And it was a, it was like eye opening thing for me to just like, what am I, what am I missing out on? Because I fundamentally have an energy level that I'm Pilar, I'm a 30 on the MBTI extroversion right so people <laughs> fuel me people fuel me like I get my Absolutely. right now I'm fueled by this conversation but even if you are like a chronic competitor you're a 30 extrovert um you like get fueled from managing through chaos and problem solving, you still have to fuel. And um, I feel fortunate that I didn't have a break moment to realize. I actually had a, I'm getting fueled right now moment to realize that I was on empty. (sighs) And um, to Pilar's point, everyone's going to have, This different moment where you realize, yeah, Yeah. hold up a second. I didn't know this, and now I know. And once you know, you can't unknow, which forces you to do something about it. So that's how I come to this conversation, having had my own revelation in the last month uh, about how important it is to recognize. When you're hitting these moments, pay attention to them, reflect on them, and then create the habit and the plan that's going to help you balance out that burnout. Oh man. Wow.
1: Yes. Okay. So 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 I'm I'm gonna speak to this analogy that was like racing through my head as you shared this, Kira. We just got a hybrid car, right? And so you know, it's like what you're suggesting is, you know, okay, you can fuel yourself with work, you know, and people, right. Mm-hmm. That's your gas. Right. But right. then you're like, that electric is like, that's what personally keeps you going and you have to identify things other than your job. Right. You know, right. And it, 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 yeah. Oh. So in our prep call, um, this, this was raised and it was just, it's this epiphany. And I, and I hope that um, for those listening, I hope it's not an epiphany, but if it is, it becomes that epiphany. You know, we for the last year and a half have felt this stress, this fear, this uncertainty. Um, But we have diverse communities Mm -hmm. (laughs) who who have felt this perpetually, who have felt this chronically. And we talked about how, you know, I shared with Pilar and Kira that, you know, and I've I've said this a couple of times on our show, this past year, year and a half has been that year of reckoning Mm -hmm. because we are now all feeling
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that stress, that Mm -hmm. fear and uncertainty. However, not everybody has equal access to resources to tackle it. And, um, you know, Kira, can you speak to that? Because that to me you know, it, it would be remiss if we didn't embed that in our conversation today, that as a woman of color, you know, how you've worked across, and I know, Pilar, you've got some great thoughts and comments on that, too. We'll get to you. But that, to me, it's like it would be remiss if we don't go there right now.
3: I, I just, I thank you for bringing that up, Sarah. Of course. Because, yeah. um, when I think about what so many folks that I work with, some of my best friends, who, you know, aren't people of color, aren't women of color. And I hear the things that they're sharing that have just penetrated their families and their souls illustratively, right? Like, oh my gosh, Kira, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I've got two kids virtually learning um, at these desks in the living room. I'm trying to work Someone stubbed their toe. I've got to stop everything that I'm doing. And I've got to get to the, to the doctor, the hospital. You know, someone's just having a, a meltdown, right? Like all of these things are happening in this space. And I just, I can't handle it. Like I need help. I need to talk to someone. Like what advice can you give me? And I'm having these conversations with all the empathy and the heart and also reconciling and sharing with folks in that moment, and with the conversation we had, and with other leaders, like this this, this situation that we've been living in as a country, as a world for the last eighteen months, is not new, no. <laughs> to no. communities of color, to women of color, to people of color. There have think about every time you ever had a friend or a colleague or a neighbor call and say, I can't come to work today because I don't have a ride. How many times have we judged that person? What do you mean you don't have a ride? I don't like, my kid is sick. I don't have anybody to take care of them. What do you mean? You can't take them to daycare. You can't do this. You can't do that. Take a minute and pause and think about every time you heard one of those examples that is not dissimilar to what you're sharing with me. And my question is, why did it take the majority population to experience burnout, stress, um, trying to multitask between career and family and teaching your kids in the house or taking care of your parents? Like, we've got this magnified attention around it when for decades other communities have been reaching out and screaming for help. And while yes, I'm so glad that we now have a platform and we've had moments um, visually, on camera, you know, weekly, uh, even though it's super painful to see where inequities exist in this country and across the world. How, how is this also a learning moment and a teaching moment for us to be empathetic and action-oriented when we hear this same thing come from a few people? Like, where would we be right now if 10, 15, 20 years ago, when these conversations were happening in other communities, we'd started to put some action around it then? So I'm glad we have a remedy mentality right now, right? Absolutely. But my charge is, what are the things that we're hearing from people right now that we should start paying attention to and creating action around right now so we're not so deeply impacted by it five years from now, 10 years from now, because we have paid attention to it when um, a population in our community, in our country that don't always have the voice, don't always have the access, don't always have a seat at the table, but they're telling us they have a need.
2: Pilar. (laughs) Wow. Beautifully said, Kira. Thank you for articulating that. And I think that acknowledgement that you know, life has not been happening on an equal playing field. And in particular, in the realms of health and mental health, it has not been happening on an even playing field. And that the, you know, when we... um, when we experience i call it like enduring the unendurable when we're asked to live a way that does not feel good is not replenishing doesn't leave us giving our best gifts at some point like you you whatever your busting point is you get to that place and you know either you lose it or you break or you die or whatever hopefully you bounce you know hopefully we all like you said embrace yeah. a remedy of shifting the way that we're working and living so that it works better for everybody but i do think that there's a reckoning around how unendurable life has been, and more so for some communities than others. Obviously, if you have less in the way of resources financially or socially, or if you happen to suffer the daily burdens of one kind of oppression and discrimination and prejudice or another, trauma in our culture, we're just starting to talk about literally, I mean, in the last five to 10 years, I've heard this conversation like hockey stick up. And now trauma um, is is a daily word that we use. But we've all been traumatized in different ways by living in a culture that is, is not working well. And I think we have to, you know, I host a podcast called The Living Experiment, which is all about the fact that all of us Are trying to figure out how to live in a modern or postmodern culture that isn't really serving us. And we have to deal. We have got to go back and fix some of the stuff that has caused us to be in the situation we are now, ethically, socially, from a just social justice standpoint, for sure. And I think as women, we've all been experiencing some of the weirdness that comes from watching, um, you know, even fictionalized stories of the 60s and 70s and 80s that have been showing up on our Netflix this past year and just being mortified that we tolerated that kind of discrimination. And in communities of color, you know, I'm not in a community of color in a small net way, but in my larger community, the conversations we are having now are so f- helpful. And f- I think they're like refreshingly honest. <laughs> I'm like, this is not. Working well, we have that all to fix this. One thing I wanted to respond to in particular, though, that you started out talking about, Kira, which I think is really valuable, is it isn't just when you break that you can have this insight. It's not there's that moment where suddenly you feel better than you felt for a long time, or you start to feel how your body mind rhythm is supposed to work, and you hit a stride and you're like, oh, I want to feel this way more. <laughs> Sometimes it's pleasure. Or sometimes it's that feeling of being supported or in a community. And I just want to acknowledge that, you know, there we really do, from a scientific standpoint, have two different nervous systems, a parasympathetic and a sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic is the fight or flight that we're in almost every day. When we shift into that parasympathetic of pleasure and community and bonding and love, we sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, I got a drop of water, but I've been, I've been so dehydrated. <laughs> For so long, not having enough of that good stuff and recovery time in my life. So I know we need to take a break, but when we come out, I really want to talk a little bit about how we can begin replenishing ourselves through pleasurable re- 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 rejuvenating experiences, because I think that's important to all of us. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, it, it, okay. We don't have enough time. Like there's so much more we could cover, right? Okay, audience, we may come back for a part two on this one because there's so much more we can cover. But um it it you know, my 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 key takeaway from this is it's like we shouldn't go back and we can't go back, right? Right. The way we yeah. used to do it does not work, period. Yeah, because our whole our lives have changed, our world right. has changed, right? And People
3: um, won't accept going back, which I no. think is a very important factor. Right. The voice of the community has been heard. And once that happens, it is to every business, government, community, um, the, the outcome can't be to revisit the past. That's to your detriment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, no one's un-
3: interested
2: in the new normal. And, and, and,
1: unless unless we look back to figure out why it's not working, right? Like it, it yeah, I was, um, uh, Kieran Pilar, know this. I just dropped my my last one off to college, empty nester. Um, I shouldn't be that gleeful, should I? But I was, we stayed at a friend's house and he works for Verizon and he shared that, um with Verizon, they're not calling it return or go back to work, they're calling it moving forward. And that's the perfect way to position it and the perfect way to think about it. All right, so we're gonna take just a short commercial break. Please don't leave us because we're gonna shift now in this next half of our show towards, okay, well, what should you do as an individual, as a leader, or as an organization? And Pilar and Kira have fantastic advice to give. I want to thank everybody that's joined us this morning and listening in on our Advancing All Women podcast. You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. So thanks. We'll be back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality. And we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership join network of executive women today visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of new that's new online.org membership our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives but the lives
3: of everyone around us
0: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty
1: you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women.
1: Welcome back everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. Today's show we are discussing how to manage burnout both personally and professionally as a leader and as an organization. And I am joined by the absolutely phenomenal Kira Fernandez, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Senior Vice President HR at Target and Pilar Gerasimo, author of The Healthy Deviant, A Rule Breaker's Guide to Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World. And she's also an award-winning journalist and podcaster. Um, So welcome back, ladies. Let's talk solutions. All righty. Okay. So Lar, let's, let's kick it off with you. Let's talk self-care strategies first. Like, okay, what can, you know, what can our listeners now all do, you know, for, for themselves? And, you know, what have you done, you know, personally? What do you recommend?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Well, one of the first things I'd love to talk about is the fact that we can't just keep layering self-care strategies. Like, Little blankets on top of us to try to protect us from what we're dealing with. A, because it's just not sustainable. One more green juice, one more massage appointment, one more. It becomes inaccessible, both financially and from a time standpoint to just keep adding another thing and another thing that you is basically your survival strategy when the, when the, the sort of root cause, the fundamental issue is a shared collective societal unrealistic set of expectations. Right. And again, you know, we have to remember that the way we're living now, is completely different than it was for most of human history. And the DNA, the nervous system, digestive system, metabolic systems that we carry hardwired in our bodies, all of us, they are not prepared for the reality that we're living in, which is 24 yeah. hour news cycles, endless amounts of distractions and demands from our electronic devices, electronic lights that have us up until all hours of the night and waking up way too early in the morning with like little alarms. Our daily patterns, and this is where I want to get into solutions, our daily patterns through most of human history were oscillating patterns. We did stuff that was hard, and then we had periods of recovery. And then we did stuff that was hard, and we had periods of recovery throughout the day. And then we slept at night. And we got up in the morning and that was the way it was. And we were always surrounded by other people living that same set of patterns and being supportive of that same set of expectations. The way we're living right now is so at odds with our hardwired, you know, genetically kind of determined reality. it's called, there's a term for it. It's called evolutionary mismatch. And that's when your genetic makeup does not match the society you're living in. Now, that is a problem that no amount of so-called self-care, you know, strategies or skills is going to address. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't also, it's not good to do those things. Like, yeah, take a bath, get a massage, take your, get your green juice, take your vitamins. But what I usually recommend for strategies are things that get your body back into agreement with its most basic programming. So rather than thinking of it as biohacking, I like to think about it as like, how do I get into the flow and the rhythm of my body and get into agreement with my body rather than hacking at it? It's just a masculine term, biohacking, I'm going to hack my body. So one way that I really like to get into agreement with my body is first having an amplified awareness of when I'm getting fatigued or or distracted or reactive. And for me, I really feel it physically. Like my eyes start to feel like they're going to close. My posture starts to kind of droop. I'm not tracking as well. I'm kind of nodding, but I'm not really taking anything in. And more than anything, I start to feel like, God, it'd be great to take a nap right now. (laughs) But I know that I cannot take a nap at that moment. So then I just force myself through, right? With more coffee, or I just force and force and force, or I just try to fake my way through it. But the truth is, if I can pay attention to when I'm flagging and then right away or as soon as possible take some kind of break, not necessarily a nap, but shifting gears into something less demanding, going to the bathroom, getting some tea or some water, going and doing some simple tasks like maybe rearranging my desk or filing some stuff rather than trying to keep going on the report or the blog or the presentation or the meeting plan. That is, there's a term for this that is called the ultradian rhythm break, like ultra ultradian. And it's like a circadian rhythm, but it's smaller and it happens. Your rhythms of energy, just like day and night rhythms shift during the day, every 90 to 120 minutes. So I've become affectionately now know the, I I call them URBs or herbs for short, but URBs, ultradian rhythm breaks. If you take them, What happens in that period of downtime is that your body does what it's programmed to do. It replenishes and repairs every single system in your body, neurological, hormonal, immune, super important right now, digestive, and the healing response that kicks in is capable of doing an amazing amount of work. While you're off taking a little break, your body and mind are doing a whole bunch of things in the background that allow you to come back feeling re-energized, repaired, you know, recapacitated so that you can show up for whatever it is you're doing. So, I have a couple of very cool graphics that I share in I know articles about this. But if you can just imagine a kind of wave-like rhythm, like a heart rhythm, you know, that goes up and down throughout the day, if you start to pay attention to where your downs are, you're going to notice that they're about an hour and a half to two hours after you start a hardcore period of productivity. And if you take a break for 15, 20 minutes, when you start feeling a little fatigued or distracted, you're going to find that you come right back up to the same peak that you started with, rather than getting that diminishing effectiveness that most people experience throughout the day. So that by the time it's 2.30 or 3, you're kind of there, but not there. You know, you're like showing up maybe, but you're not getting as much done. And you're feeling... The results of inflammation, you know, itchiness, kind of weird swelling feelings, just not feeling good, headaches, uh, rashes can show up. So, my form, favorite form of self care is observing that my body needs a break and respecting that. Yeah. Much better than not taking the break and then running to, you know, a new cream or acupuncturist or some new yoga uh, strategy. Those are good for recovery too, but no amount of post damage repair is going to be the same as preemptively repairing your body throughout the day.
1: Lar, we want everybody to buy your book for sure. <laughs> but is there a site where people can find access to? some of this great information? Yeah, you please share it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you go to healthydeviant.com, there's a learn more section on that site and includes a bunch of different articles um, and things that are related to this. You can also search on Ultradian Rhythms to find a blog I wrote about how to make the best use of Ultradian Rhythms. But um, I'm, if, for folks that are interested, I'll post uh, the, there's a preview, a chapter of my book um, that's available at healthydeviant.com slash preview. And folks can find out more there. Awesome,
1: Yeah. So I read this article last week. It was in the Wall Street Journal. And there's this recent study that they did at Stanford where nobody can see me, but I'm holding up my phone to to our guests. We're always on Zoom so we can see each other. I get to see the beautiful faces of these incredible thought leaders. Um, But they talk about how we like we are now on technology 24/7 and particularly zoom and they talk about how when you are wired like energized what you were talking about earlier Kira where like the body creates that dopamine because of that technical interaction and in particular they're seeing a surge of younger adults become even more more depressed and only because they're looking to video games, they're looking to TikToks, they're looking to their phones, you know, Instagram, Facebook. And what happens is because they're on their phones or on technology 24-7, the body creates in reaction, and Pilar, you, you may be able to explain this better than I can, but it creates that dopamine. But then in reaction to it, it creates the alternative hormone to bring you down, to depress you. And so they're seeing excessive amounts of depression in these kids that quite honestly shouldn't have anything to be depressed about. And and what they're the, the solution, get off technology. Get so off. I think, your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't play video games, you know, 24 7. But but to your point, I love what you're suggesting because even as adults, right? Like I'm on Zoom, you know, 12 hours a day. I know you both are probably as well. So when I get done, it's like, I I, I got to get off this laptop, you know, this Mac, because it, um, I need to catch my breath, you know, I need to recharge. And I thought that it was, it's, it's, I think it was like Wednesday's issue in the Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. but really interesting Stanford study. Kira, you and, and Target have been doing some incredible stuff um, in supporting you know, your, your employees and particularly your, your, your women of color. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it talks about, you know, self-care individually, but then also what organizations can do. right can we shift to you? I want to hear about what you've done
3: and um, it's just, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, real quick. I, I've read that Stanford study a couple of months ago from um, one of my friends and colleagues. Oh. Yeah. And there's two things that I've started. to fill in if I like that explain have been it. Amazing. You know, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and Pilar talked about like resetting your rhythms and those 90 mm-hmm. and 120 minute um intervals. And like she just put words to what I've been journaling, I notice in my body by like taking some calls on a walk instead of being in front of my computer. Um, exactly. So my two my two solutions real quick to that. And then I'll talk about what. Oh, no, please. I'm yeah. proud of doing is like when you can take a meeting on a call, do it and walk, like walk around your neighborhood, get some fresh air. That's been amazing for me to do that. It's a habit that I've created. And then I started turning off my self view on Zoom. Um, it's part of that Stanford study as well that one of the other things that's triggering in our brain i ne- like i'm not on my self view right now in this meeting with i can see you too i can't see myself because at Good what chance. other point in time would i spend 12 hours a day looking at having a view of myself on a camera when i'd be sitting across the table from you or talking to you on the phone so turn off your self view people we don't need to see ourselves 12 hours a day And at the end of it, it's no different than how many people are interacting with their technology. And frankly, it starts to wear away at your own self-confidence because if all you do is look at yourself constantly, you will start to pinpoint your imperfections, which has a negative impact on your self-image, which further leads to burnout. So those are my two habits <laughs> I would share that turn off yourself self-view on Zoom. You don't need to see yourself all day. Don't worry about fixing your hair or all of the things that we never did before we had Zoom. Um, Amen. Okay. Two, the things that I'm really <laughs> excited about. One, um, I just, I have to tell you guys, it's like, um, it's a blessing and a pleasure and a gift to work for a company that puts our, we call our employees, team members Absolutely. at the center of every decision, whether no, it doesn't matter what it is, what mm-hmm. is the impact to our team? And so when we think about what were the most challenging times last year it was a billion dollar investment in safety and health to make sure that every team member could take paid time off if they were ill due to what was going on. You didn't have to worry about trading off your health for your hours, right? That's 400,000 people that had that support and that reprieve for for leave. Cirrus MD helps us with phone and care. For years, we've had team member life resources where if you were struggling or needed someone to talk to, you got free sessions for each event that you were managing through through our entire organization. And so, I share that as a really important backdrop because then when we wanted to continue to amplify um, this conversation and support, we were starting from a foundation of strength. Right, we had insights. We knew what our team needed most based on the services that they were requesting while obviously protecting their HIPAA. But we knew the things that were really um, being magnified and things that folks needed. And so we doubled, tripled, quadrupled down our investment on well being in terms of services, in terms of conversation. Importantly, in a corporate environment in terms of like teaching and training and coaching our leaders of people. Pilar was talking about this, right? In a in this dynamic world where all of these pressures are coming, if you're a leader of people, magnify that by the number of people that you lead. Absolutely. And how does that start to impact you and how you react and how you operate and how you support on the backdrop of this pandemic, on the backdrop of the racial inequity and social actions that we've taken in the country on the backdrop of what we see happening internationally on the backdrop of what you're trying to manage through with yourself and your own family. So we were like, we have to obviously make sure that we take care of our entire team, but we've got to double down on resources, training, investments for our leaders of people. And so one thing, particularly when we think about some, uh, you know, specific impacts, on women of color, team members of color, we had this incredible firm come in, it's called the Black Girl Doctor. They came in and we did a series of sessions around mindfulness, self-care, grounding folks in, um, hey, these are the things that stress your brain. These are the things that stress your nervous system. A a lot of the things, Pilar, that you are sharing, we gotta reset our body, we have to reset our minds. And you're and you can't go from zero to 100 overnight. Like there are some habits that you can build that they really helped um, create and give us uh, give us visibility to with their theme being joy is the antidote to trauma. Joy is the antidote to pain. And so that dopamine effect that you're talking about is you know, the highest of high. But then when you have a a situation, a traumatic situation, a trigger, what's the joy? What are the joyful moments that you can find that bring you back to um, that happiness? And that's not going to be found in the video game. What we know is it's people. It's people Mm -hmm. that bring you joy. It's purpose that brings you joy. So they were a phenomenal partner for us to work with. And then, you know, we also did some pretty significant investments through our partner in the mental health space, where we did a series of listening sessions. Um, We call them leader labs, where we had, you know, um, psychologists, physicians come in and just start to give people words to explain what they were feeling and habits that they could start to implement that worked for them. So it was a lot of the, you know, journaling that you were talking about, Pilar, like I started doing that where I notice, um, like if my eye, if there's like, if I feel that droopiness, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and walk. And that's way more energizing than doing one more meeting. And the last thing I'll share is, um, uh, personally, as I've gone through all of these experiences myself, like with the, um, with the trainings that we've developed for leaders, with the experiences and programs that we've put in place for our team members, I've done every single one, right? Um, I've worked with, a beacon, uh, with the Beacon team who's our well care provider on, you know, talking to someone about the things that are tough for me and what I'm trying to manage through. and revisiting that journaling. And, you know, each day, what did I notice about my body? What did I notice about how I was feeling? Was there something different that struck a chord with me as a way to take back control of my health, of my well-being, and not surrendering that to anyone else? Um, And I like... Those were certainly amplified by this incredible company I work for and the way in which we continue to put people at the center of all of our decisions. And I felt empowered again, like I'm in control of my body. I am in control of my health. I'm in control of the decisions that I make. So what, what have I been surrendering to someone else that I actually don't have to? because we can do all of these things at once. We can be successful women and have careers and raise our families and take care of our parents and contribute to our community and take care of ourselves. We don't have to trade off one for the other.
1: <laughs> it, it Two key things jump out at me, Kira, and, and thank you so much for sharing all of that. Okay, one, if you're in if you're a leader in an organization, you need to listen. You need to create the, the, the forums, you don't have to have all the answers or all the solutions, but you need to listen. And I've seen Target do that consistently over the past four years that I've had the, the, the pleasure and the joy to be partnering with you um, through new. Um, and the second being, and you hit on it, that as an individual, you need to ask for the help. You need to be vulnerable. Um, As I referenced earlier, I dropped my son off, and there was this kickoff. He's he's a rower at at Lehigh University, and the coach said, okay, you need to be tough. He's like, now, when I say you need to be tough, it doesn't mean you just push through or power through. You step up, and you have the courage and the vulnerability to ask for help. So we need to be tough and be vulnerable and, and be prepared to ask for that help, and the organizations then need to step up and provide it. Um, Pilar, any, any any thoughts on it? Just how do we unpack this, like, wisdom that (laughs) Kira has shared? (laughs) And again, we don't have enough time. I'm so sorry you are both going to be invited back.
2: Oh, no, I, I just, uh, I love everything Kira said. And I, I really, appreciate the commitment that Target is showing to bringing in, a range of different voices and experts to kind of address what are really big shared problems. And I'll go back, I guess, just to say, you know, let's remember as we're listening, as leaders, as thought leaders and as leaders of organizations and as leaders in our own lives, remembering that none of this is just you know, Jane's problem or Joe's problem or, you know, Ali's problem. Mm -hmm. These are problems that we're experiencing at such epidemic rates that it is in all of our best interest to create better systems. Some of the statistics, you know, I share at the beginning of my book, Blow People's Minds. But to me, as a health journalist, I've known them forever. They've been just getting worse for the past 30 years. When we say, you know, the number in my book was 80% of U.S. adults were not mentally and emotionally thriving at the time my book was being written now that book came out in 2020 and it went up to 89% during COVID that we're not thriving mentally and wow. emotionally. But remember too, I believe, too, that. I I believe know, that, right? Yeah. Totally believe that. Yeah. So you are an outlier if you are one of the very few people who is healthy, happy, on track to stay that way right now. And if you are, you know, good for you. But I suspect that's because you do have a range of advantages and luck and privilege and history that has set you up to have that advantage each of us can navigate to the best of our ability to manage our own lives and patterns and rhythms and you know nutrition and movement and all of that better but i think we have an opportunity to acknowledge the almost perfect universe, universality of our communal suffering to make a larger scale shift in our rhythms of work. One just honey example I'll share is I worked briefly with Arianna Huffington at Huffington Post at a time mm-hmm. where she was raising awareness about sleep issues and so on. Absolutely. And they put these nap pods in the Huffington Post office, which was just been acquired by AOL. Now it's great to have a nap pod but it doesn't help to have nap pods if your corporate culture does not allow people to take breaks because you as a leader don't model taking breaks. And then people suffer because there's no space in their schedule or their workflow to take those breaks. So I wouldn't say don't have a nap pod, but just as Kira was saying, like you know, let's acknowledge the underlying issues that are keeping people from getting a good night's sleep as well. And let's find other ways for people to get permission to notice when they need to take breaks, then take those breaks and come back with more of what they have their best gifts to give as opposed to their, you know, husk of their former self type of gifts. Uh, Because I think that's the most exciting thing ahead of us as a culture. If a whole bunch of particularly like women and women of color who have been from coming from behind for a long time, poorer people with, you know, massive amounts of genius and creativity that we've been holding back. If we can get everybody operating at a better level, we actually have a chance of solving some of our, you know, our societies and globes our planet's bigger problems. And that's where I get excited. Yeah. Which, which
1: truly speaks to it. it, it, And again, we, we said it can't go back. (laughs) Gotta move forward. And it's like companies need to reinvent the benefits, the services, the support, you know, there was, there was another article I read the other day. Um, Companies are now leaning towards giving more pet insurance you know, so many people got pets during COVID. Companies are now leaning towards not only providing um, support for working parents, but for working leaders who have elderly members in their family. So senior care, Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, we just need to reinvent how we support and serve. Mm -hmm. Um, Kira, any last thoughts before we close out?
3: I, um, I just love everything that, Pilar has shared. I hope everyone goes to the site. Um, For those of you that are leaders in um, the spaces and want to make a difference, we started off with this. It's the culture. It's the culture. We've had phenomenal results as a company the last few years, and you can draw a direct correlation between our, our business outcomes and the investments that we've made in our team. Because it's the people that keep the business moving forward. So if you you're never gonna go wrong <laughs> center, when you center what you're doing on humanity, kindness, support, empathy, equity, mm. you'll never go wrong. You will only flourish. I know. Amen. I meant to that.
2: I know, Pilar. Any last thought? Well, you know, the thought I have is I, I so I have a little program I just launched called Healthy Deviance at Work, which is really about how to construct new corporate cultures through an uncorporate mindset. And really coming back to that community piece of when we yeah. when we succeeded as human beings to getting ourselves through 2.5 million years of human history, it was in small tight knit groups of people who trusted each other and whose well being depended on the well being of others. And I think the more we begin to think of work and our corporate goals and strategies in terms of how do we move this group of people we're invested in not our teammates and team members as well as our consumer our, our customers our you know all the stakeholders we have and thinking of the larger collective community the planet you know our climate as part of that I think it embeds a more complex way of thinking about goals and accomplishments and success um, that takes a longer view. And I, if there's one way to overcome about burnout, it's acknowledging that we cannot keep being extractive industries, extracting the cell tissue and resilience of the people in our communities to make things work on paper. Awesome. Thank you for
1: that closing thought. Hey, I want to thank everybody for listening in today. Um, Pilar and um, Kira, you were incredible. Thank you for sharing your perspectives and stories and advice. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and New the opportunity every week to share our voice and mission with all of you. Um, Join us next week. We're going to cover why it is so important. That women should have roles where they have ownership over a PL, how they play just such a key and pivotal um, perspective in driving the finances of an organization and how that accelerates them in their career. To learn more about NEW and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. And huge favor, please reach out. We want your thoughts on what type of topics you'd love to hear us cover. Connect at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.